Hi, I'm Jeff Goodman and welcome to scubaverse.com. Today I'm talking with Paul Watson, founder of the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. Paul, great to see you again. Um, you reminded me it's been 34 years. Yes, it's been a long time. Well, my, my goodness. Well, um, you don't look any older, may I say. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I was thinking, I do remember we both had um, brown or, or fair hair at the time. We've, we've both I, seen... I, the... I had black hair, I think. <laughs> yeah, black hair even. There you go. Fantastic. Paul, just for those um, that don't know much about Sea Shepherd, can you just tell us um, why and when you formed Sea Shepherd? I established uh, Sea Shepherd in 1977. I had been a director with Greenpeace, so I left Greenpeace and set up Sea Shepherd. And the difference was uh, where Greenpeace was <clears throat> mainly a protest organization, Sea Shepherd uh, intervenes. And uh, so we set it up as a, a marine conservation anti-poaching organization, which today is now actually a movement. Uh, it's in about 42 different countries. They're all separate entities, all working together under the auspices of Sea Shepherd Global, which is based in Amsterdam. You've certainly grown hugely um, since the times that, that, that I was with you. I do remember during that time that as well as fighting the people that were doing the harm to the environment, you're actually having a lot of problems with governments as well. Is that still the case or is that eased off now? Well, some governments, uh, you know, specifically Japan and, uh, and uh, you know, Norway. <laughs> but... Uh, we uh, today actually things have changed quite dramatically. We're now in partnership with numerous governments around the world. Uh, we have uh, agreements to partner up with uh, Namibia and Tanzania and Gabon and Liberia and Santome and Capo Verde and uh, let me see uh, Peru and Mexico. And what that means is that we're offer we we offer the uh, ships and the volunteers and they give us the authority. So they put their enforcement people on board, and so that's resulted in us. Uh, arresting about 52 uh, illegal fishing vessels off of uh, the west coast of Africa. Uh, it's allowed us to protect the endangered vaquita in Mexico's waters. And um, so this is working out really well. And I think it's somewhat novel. We actually started this in 1999 with a partnership with Ecuador and the protection of the Galapagos Marine Reserve. And now it's expanded to numerous countries and we're actually getting invitations from many other countries to, to uh, partner up with them. So of all the work that you're doing now globally, um, is there one issue that stands above the rest or does everything have uh, equal importance? Well, there's every, there's so many different campaigns that we're involved in right now. Uh, I'm very much concerned with uh, protecting the uh, endangered vaquita porpoise. There's less than 20 of them left. And, uh, and I, I'm quite confident if it wasn't for the last seven years of our interventions that the vaquita would now be extinct. We've uh, confiscated over 1,200 nets out of the vaquita uh, refuge, and we've kept, kept the numbers from falling by doing these uh, vigilant uh, patrols in that area. So that, we're really quite happy with the results of that. We're also now we have a lawsuit against New Zealand to uh, protect the Maui dolphin. And uh, so there's so many campaigns, it's really hard to, uh, it's hard to pinpoint or, you know, or keep track of them all, really. That's a great advantage of having a movement over an organization. 
but I think the thing that we're probably most uh, proud of is that after many years, we were able to drive the Japanese whaling fleet out of the Southern Ocean Whale Sanctuary, which is now 100% protected. And uh, Japan will not be going back. So for the first time, the, the Southern Ocean Whale uh, Sanctuary is 100% protected. How physically is that protected? How does that work? There's no whaling taking place in those waters. And if there was, we would find out about it. Uh, we also drove the, um, the toothfish poachers out of there, uh, shut down all six of those vessels. Uh, that included the longest pursuit in maritime history when uh, our vessel, the Bob Barker, chased the toothfish poacher uh, Thunder for 110 days from the coast of Antarctica to equatorial West Africa. And that ended up with the captain of the Thunder sinking his own ship right in front of us, which was pretty dramatic. But uh, the result of that also was to establish uh, our relationship with uh, Interpol and with uh, working with these other countries uh, to stop illegal fishing. Oh, that must have been quite, um, quite an event, extraordinary. On the boat issue, I, I remember um, we had one boat that took a bit of taking care of. Looking at your fleet now, they look amazing. Um, how many ships have you got now? Uh, well, we have nine right now. Uh, uh, there's just acquired another one, actually, so 10. That, that'll, that's a, for Sea Shepherd Italy. And uh, we're looking at acquiring two more. Uh, yeah, the, we're in a much better shape now than we were in 1985 and 1986 when we were nursing <laughs> that old crawler <laughs> to, uh, you know, to, to continue to operate uh, and no longer have that problem. And, of course, it's a lot easier getting crew now. We have literally uh, thousands of applications. And uh, at any given time, there's about 200 volunteers crewing the, crewing the ships. I think. And how is that financed? Uh, it's still all from individual donations um, around the world. We're still relatively small because, and the reason for that is that uh, we don't, we have a policy of not uh, spending money on fundraising. So, you know, we don't do direct mail campaigns or solicitations and things like that. And uh, we feel that if people want to protect the oceans, uh, they'll come to us. And, and that's, in fact, is, is what is happening. So, uh, you know, we, we're now, you know, we have big support bases in Germany, the UK, Australia, the US, uh, France, Italy, all over. And, um, you know, together, the, all these entities uh, help to fund uh, the operation of ships through Sea Shepherd uh, Global. Do you actually get, do you think, um, enough support or understanding from general public um, or is it just the individuals who are conservationally minded anyway I mean, do you think the public actually understand what's going on well we got a big boost of course uh, between 2007 uh, and 2016 with uh, when we did the whale wars show on animal planet and uh, that uh, dramatically increased our support base because of the uh, you know the high profile uh, we were the number one show on animal planet and, uh, and and they're still doing reruns on that so that was a, a big boost uh, for us and uh, since then we've done a number of documentaries uh, you know we we're featured in the cove which won the academy award uh, also see a shadows about the Bakita campaign uh, leslie chilcott who did inconvenient truth did the film watson about me personally uh, and uh, of course, there's chasing the thunder about our campaign against, the, you know, to track down the toothfish poachers. And uh, coming up, will be uh, we have a we co-produced a film uh, this year called Sea Spiracy, which is uh, to take a look at the destruction caused by the fishing industry around the world. That'll be released later this year. Is that general release or is that for TV? 
I think it'll be a general release first. Yeah. You never know. You never know with these things because there's all sorts of, you know, going back and forth with various distributors or whatever. Like for instance, the film Watson was picked up by uh, by uh, Amazon, and uh, you know, uh, Sea of Shadows was bought by National Geographic, and uh, Chasing the Thunder by Balkan and um, Discovery. Right. Fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. I saw in your Facebook thing. Um, it was just an off comment that you mentioned hate mail that you you get do you actually get very much of that not as much as before which you know is really? a bad, it's a bad sign really i think that uh, <laughs> getting uh you know i've always said that you know if you if you're going to be successful you're you know you're going to make enemies you're going to make a lot of people upset so uh to me uh that kind of thing is a, a indicator of success more than anything else uh, absolutely uh, i agree with you I was just thinking the other day that, um, you know, through, through all my travels and stuff, meeting lots of conservation groups, scientific groups, um, all having their own agendas and fighting for their own finance and mm -hmm. just no cooperation between any of them. <sighs> what do you think about that? Well, I think that's the nature of the political economic realities that we live in. You know, people are competing all the time for... Uh, or support. And uh, some people are really good at it and some people aren't. <laughs> Unfortunately, people who are really good at it seem to be the ones that are doing the least. But anyway, um, I, I, I do think though that when you look at any movement that you have to uh, see that the strength has to lie in diversity just as in any ecosystem. So uh, all of these different approaches are, are positive, uh, you know, whether that approach be litigation, legislation, education, or direct action. Uh, and I, I think for the most part, you know, we're making an impact on that. But you really, as you said, you really can't get away from this comp competition uh, that, that's always there. Um, so we just have to learn to live with it. Yeah, it it um, it can become a little frustrating to see sometimes. You just kind of think you see two groups doing the same sort of thing. Think, why don't you just get together and? Um, well, I'll tell you, I, I, I've tried many times. To, I'm sure you have to work with Greenpeace, for example, and they just absolutely refuse. Really? Uh, there's just no. Uh, in fact, what was it? Three years ago, it was actually quite funny. Uh, Greenpeace was uh, looking for a new international director, and I applied for the job. And uh, to my amazement, uh, they, instead of interviewing me, they sent me to a headhunting company based in Chicago to interview me, uh, So, uh, which I thought was a little bizarre. And anyway, they did the interview, and uh, I said, oh, look, I'll do the job for $1 a year. So, you know, the, you know, the salary should be okay. And this would be an opportunity to merge uh, Sea Shepherd with Greenpeace, you know, to make a stronger movement. And they took all of this back. And then about Three months later, I get a call from the same company saying, um, we've, uh, you know, you do have the experience being as a co-founder of Greenpeace and, uh, you know, the salary part's okay and everything, but Greenpeace is moving in a different direction right now. And we don't think that you have the qualifications for that. And I said, oh my God, I didn't get that Harvard degree in accounting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Have you ever met the person that wrote back to you? Oh, no, they were, that was just, a, it was just a corporate person. It wasn't really anybody. They, they didn't really seem to know much about Greenpeace. But the interesting thing is every single founding member of Greenpeace is no longer with Greenpeace. So uh, for a while, it was really funny because they were denying the fact that I was a co-founder of Greenpeace. 
So they even removed me from the website and everything like that. And then the movie How to Change the World came out about the early days of Greenpeace. And uh, so now they can no longer deny that because it featured myself and Bob Hunter and Patrick Moore and others. Uh, so, you know, I think that history is firmly established and they can't really continue to pretend that it didn't happen. 